0: Court is back in session. Our next expert witness is Dr. Nathan Thompson. Dr. Thompson, for the record, can you state your educational background for the jury?
1: Well, thank you. I have a PhD in psychometrics from the University of Minnesota, where my minor program was in industrial organizational psychology. My undergraduate degree was in mathematics, psychology, and Latin from Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. I started as a typical psychology major there, but realized early on, thanks to my wonderful undergraduate advisor, David Bishop. That I wanted to take as quantitative and practical slant as possible. So, I applied to four industrial organizational programs with some psychometrics and one psychometrics program with some I.O., and I ended up choosing the latter.
0: And where are you currently employed, Dr. Thompson?
1: I'm currently a Chief Product Officer at Assessment Systems Corporation. ASC was founded in 1979 by my graduate advisor, mentor, business partner, and close friend, Dave Weiss. Its original purpose was to take the advanced psychometric research being done at the university where CAT was originally developed by Weiss and his research team, and make it available to the public in ways that can empower more organizations to implement better psychometrics and thereby improve the decisions they make about people.
0: And what does your company do today, Dr. Thompson?
1: We still follow that mission today. Our suite of software products includes platforms for classical test theory, item response theory, item banking, adaptive testing, data forensics, and certification program management. Uh, We don't make any tests ourselves. We just help other organizations make better tests. I also provide some consulting services to help our partners develop tests according to best practices, which can range from simple test development stuff like item writing workshops or an Angoff study to developing large-scale adaptive tests. The biggest project was to develop a battery of adaptive tests used by a national ministry of defense in Asia. PhD
0: in psychometrics and the chief product officer for an assessment firm. That's very good news, Dr. Thompson, because I have some questions about assessment that I'm hoping you can help me with. You see, My client applied for a job last year, and she didn't get that job. Afterwards, she was talking about the interview process with a few other candidates. They got to talking about the assessment they all took, the test that is, and you know what they found? Each of them had answered a different question. And what's more, each of them answered a different number of questions. So you have a PhD in psychometrics and whatnot, so why don't you try explaining to this jury how in the world an employment test can be fair if different people are completing different numbers of questions and different
1: questions altogether. Well, CAT, computerized adaptive testing, is almost always based on item response theory, the paradigm of modern psychometrics. Uh, there are plenty of advantages to IRT, but two have a direct impact on making CAT more feasible uh, than it would be with classical test theory. First, it places items and people on the same underlying scale, which we call theta, and this makes it obviously easier to match people to items and items to people in adaptive fashion. Second, uh, it does not matter which set of items are used to score a person, as long as the items are all calibrated onto the same underlying scale. Note that this assumption is not just applicable to CAT, though. Uh, It also applies to having multiple linear forms as well as linear-on-the-fly testing, where a unique linear form is created for each examinee. Uh, IRT is too complex to fully describe here, especially without being able to draw graphs. Uh, But if listeners are interested, I recommend the textbook by Embertson and Reese, as it is intended for psychologists rather than just psychometricians. Uh, In fact, the title is Item Response Theory for Psychologists.
0: Okay, Dr. Thompson, can you please explain to me and to the jury how scoring works for these tests?
1: Well... IRT scores everyone directly on this underlying scale, which is kind of like the standard Z scale with a mean of zero and standard deviation of one. And it does this by multiplying logistic type curves called item response function. Uh, But consider this broad example here. Uh, If I give a person 20 items that have a difficulty level at plus two on this Z-like scale, and they get about half of them correct, we can strongly infer that their true score is somewhere around plus two. And the same would be the case with 20 items at minus two. So not only does it not matter that people see different items, but giving them different items will actually help us make this inference. Um, What if we gave 20 items at minus two difficulty to someone who was actually plus two? Well, they'd get them all right very easily, but we wouldn't really know their exact score, just that they were, were well above minus two because they got all the minus two items right. So that answered the first part of your client's question.
0: Okay. And how does CAT work then?
1: Well, CAT, when, once you break it down, it's really a simple algorithm with four rules. A starting point, an item selection rule, a scoring rule, and a termination criterion. Uh, they're all based on IRT and this underlying scale we call theta. And we only use the starting point once, and then loop through these other three uh, pieces, these other three rules, until the test is done. A test needs to start with a provisional estimate of theta, uh, because we s- select an item for a given level of theta. Typically, we just start everybody at 0.0, as theta is similar to the Z metric, so that's the average person, unless you're using a type of IRT called the Roche model. Um, but you can also start people with randomized thetas, or theta predicted from other information, such as biodata from applications, um, or theta from a previous test. And the latter is certainly useful in confirmation testing in an employment selection context. The test then selects the first item, uh, which is the one that is the best fit for whatever the provisional first theta is. There are different ways to quantify this, but the traditional method is Fisher information. After the examinee answers the first item, we rescore them with the new response. This gives us a new theta. We then check our termination criterion. Uh, this can be fixed, such as everybody receiving 50 items, or it can be variable, which is what your client encountered. Some examinees might see 14 items, and some examinees might see 40 items. Uh, These variable length tests are usually terminated by the standard error of measurement based on IRT, and that's an index of measurement precision. Uh, We have not met this criterion yet in our example case because we've only answered one item, Uh, so we give them another item and we loop through this algorithm again and check our termination criterion and keep administering items until that SEM criterion is satisfied. And it's this last bit about the standard error that answers the second part of your client's question, uh, that examinees can receive different number of items. It'll take more items to get an accurate score if an examinee is very high ability or very low ability, or their range of theta lacks some strong items in the item bank, or that they're responding in a way that doesn't fit the IRT model. And
0: how exactly is this fair for test takers?
1: Well, uh, Professor Weiss and I both argue that this approach provides a new definition of fairness. With linear tests, everybody receives the same set of items, uh, but wildly different standard errors. Uh, IRT-based standard errors, that is, because the Classical S standard error we consider not very accurate because the linear test has lots of items in middle difficulty. Middle examinees will have high precision in their scores, Uh, but the examinees that are lower high in ability will have terrible precision because there aren't very many items in the bank for them. With a practically constructed cat, examinees will see different items, uh, but they'll all have an equivalent level of precision, and this is certainly important if test scores are being used in prediction formulas. And on a related note, is seeing a different set of items really a bad thing? Uh, there are so many benefits from a test security perspective, too, if people are receiving different uh, sets of items. And this is why uh, linear and the fly testing has also been developed based on IRT.
0: Okay, and if this cat, as you call it, is so wonderful, why isn't anyone else using it?
1: Well, it's actually been in use for decades now. It's just that examinees don't always know that they're taking a CAT. So it's deceptive. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of sneaky. As I mentioned earlier, it was originally developed in the 1970s um, at the University of Minnesota and some other universities for the U.S. Armed Forces. And it was implemented as the CAT ASVAB test that is used throughout our military right now. And one of the program's graduate students at the time, Gage Kingsbury, left uh, once he graduated and he went and implemented CAT for a K-12 company called NWEA out in Portland, Oregon. And it, they've been delivering CAT since then to millions and millions of students. Uh, there's also the NCLEX, which is a licensure test for nurses in the U.S., which has been CAT since 1994. Uh, the graduate record examination, the CPA exam, and the graduate management admissions tests have been adaptive for a similar length of time. Um, and there's certainly more. And in addition to these um you know, educational certification type tests, there's other areas of assessments that have discovered it only recently. The fields of medicine realized that they were missing out on all the benefits of CAT just about 10 years ago. And there's been a ton of research over there since then. And there's also some newer methods of CAT too. One that I'm excited about in the um, IO arena is multidimensional pairwise preference CATs. As those can be used to develop non-cognitive tests that are much less susceptible to faking good and other response sets that will happen in this scenario. Uh, and That's incredibly useful in the IOT field. and I plan to develop some of that uh, approach here in 2017. CAT is indeed wonderful, as it provides a number of additional benefits on top of this whole fairness thing. Uh, the most important is that it reduces test length by about 50% on average, it's been found in the research, with no loss of precision compared to linear tests. I once saw it provide a 90% reduction in test length, which was incredible. In high-volume situations, like I just described, uh, that can save millions of hours of seat time, and that's certainly worth the investment of developing a cat. Uh, It can also reduce item exposure, which increases test security. Because cats are shorter, they're going to reduce examinee fatigue, and this adaptiveness can also increase examining engagement and motivation, which is uh, especially helpful in K-12 assessment.
0: Well, my goodness, Dr. Thompson, I'm sure we are all suitably impressed with this. It sounds wonderful. It's shorter and more focused, and maybe it leaves my clothes smelling like a fresh mountain breeze too. But tell me, Dr. Thompson, is there anything your magical test can't do? Are there any, any downsides at all?
1: <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some downsides, though. These are more hurdles than disadvantages. Uh, first of all, you need some high-quality sample sizes to use item response theory. Uh, the bare minimum that psychometricians throw out is 100 examinees, but some models require a 1,000 or more examinees. Uh, this puts cats way out of research for low-volume tests, but um, for programs that do hundreds of thousands or millions of examinees, this hurdle is obviously irrelevant. Uh, so you'd be surprised how many inquiries, though, I'd get for somebody who wants to develop a CAT for their seventh grade science class or their uh, freshman biology class in college or whatever. You need someone with IRT and CAT expertise to develop a CAT, and uh, that expertise is pretty rare. You also need some plat- software platforms to implement IRT and CAT, which are expensive to develop. Um, but there have been, over in some recent years, some free software that's been developed to make it more accessible. There's a free platform. Uh, for cat called concerto that's out there that I recommend. Um, it's a little difficult to use but it's um, free so it's great to learn. It's great to learn how to apply cat. You'll also need a large item bank and typically a plan to pilot new items across the future. However, this is often the case with linear tests or with linear on the fly tests also. Cats don't allow review of past items for examinees which might take some smoothing over. Uh, There's also the public relations headache of explaining all this complexity to your stakeholders. Organizations that deliver CAT often put educational material out on their website. Uh, The nursing board that does the NCLEX has some great research on on the website, for example. I recommend some listeners uh, check those out. Another hurdle is that you need items which are scored in real time. So you can't use any items that require rubric ratings at a later date, like essays. And finally, there's the overall cost. Uh, the software platform, the psychometrician time, the item make development, and the general project overhead can add up. Um, but if you assign a dollar value to examine time you could end up saving hundreds of thousands of hours per year, and the CAT's actually going to have a positive impact on the company's bottom line, which is why some large organizations have used CAT for decades.
0: Your Honor, I have no further questions for this witness. Anyone who'd like to learn more about this case, including contact information for Dr. Thompson and his company, may reference Exhibit A, the show notes for this episode.